Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show, where all Bible questions are also welcome, including controversial questions. And boy, do I have a controversial subject for you today. Something you may never have heard before in any church, from any pastor, within any Christian circle. And now most of you Christians probably won't agree with me today. Maybe none of you. Here's a question that I get frequently. Can Christians, born-again Christians, be demon-possessed? Now, before I go on, I have done many shows about Satan, as a lot of you know, who he is, what he does, the origin of demons, the story of his fall, those who work under him, those spiritual beings called demons living in some other dimension with a back door to the human mind, able to put thoughts in our heads through some type of telepathy. The ultimate purpose of these disgusting creatures is temptation and deception. They're trying, of course, to keep us from giving our lives to Jesus Christ. Christ, because if we do, they lose our soul. I'm not going to review all of this today. There are all kinds of back radio shows and back podcasts that you could listen to, and I do strongly recommend that you get that background, get that education. Today, however, I'm going to go back to this extremely controversial question. Can born-again Christians be demon-possessed? Now, there are a lot of Christians that don't take demons seriously at all. But the Bible is full of information about Satan and demons. You cannot believe the New Testament. You cannot believe the Old Testament without believing Satan is a real person. However... It's only a few people that would call themselves Christians who would deny Satan's existence completely. Most people accept it, but they still accept it as some kind of theology, and they don't expect to encounter Satan or demons in everyday life. But the subject does come up often in my teaching, and I'm in a position where I do open forums and take people's Bible questions all the time anyway, so perhaps I get this question asked to me more often than others. But that question, Bob. Can a born-again Christian be demon-possessed? Well, obviously, as you already know, most pastors, most fellow believers will say, no, of course not. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit can't partner with anything evil. Now, I used to say that same thing. I gave that exact same answer. I gave it for years. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And before I go on, it's partly True. So if you yourself are saying that born-again Christians cannot be possessed by demons, if you yourself believe that, I'm not trying to correct you. I'm not trying to straighten you out. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. As a matter of fact, you are partly right because that is partly true. Now you're thinking, what do you mean, Bob? How could something be partly true? That's confusion. In fact, we're told in Scripture that Satan himself is the author of confusion. And now, Bob, you are being confusing. All right, good point, good point. In my defense, I am about to clear up the confusion. So let me go back a few years with my own experience. I was saved. I became born again in my second year of college. And I heard immediately, demons can possess people, but they can't possess Christians. As time went on, I realized that the people I was hearing that from were people who might have had knowledge of the Bible, but they didn't really have any experience with deliverance ministries or exorcisms. 
In other words, I was hearing from everybody that demons could not live inside of Christians except for people who had experience casting demons out of people. And so the people with the most experience with demons were the only ones not claiming that demons can't inhabit Christians. You see, my friends, some things we learn by experience. The Bible is a menu, but you don't eat the menu. You eat the food that's listed on the menu. The Bible is a guidebook to God, a map to God. The Bible's not a substitution for God or the experiences we have with God. For example, the Bible tells us that we must learn and use our spiritual gift, but there's no instruction in the Bible about how to do that. The Bible instructs some people to use the gift of counseling, doesn't tell them how to counsel. The Bible commands us to share the gospel, lead people to Christ, but doesn't give us any steps. There are all kinds of things that we're told to do in the Bible that we were meant to learn by the experience of the Holy Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit. Throughout Scripture, in this vein, we see demons possessing people. Jesus cast out demons, it's all over the Gospels. His apostles cast out demons, it's all over the book of Acts. We see that happening. Nowhere do we see instructions on how to do it. Oh, occasionally we'll see something quick like, come out of there in the name of Jesus Christ. And we read that in three seconds, so we think the demon came out of there in three seconds. No, if you read it carefully, it'll say things like the demon came out that hour. What else was going on that hour? Well, somebody that casts demons out will tell you some of what went on. They tried to find out the demon's name because the demon's name will identify how he got in. We cast out a demon one time. The demon claimed his name was Necros. I immediately recognized that from my Greek studies. That was the Greek word for death. We pursued it. We found out this guy had a history of walking around graveyards. He was fascinated with graveyards. Now, I'm not talking about historical graveyards. It was great going to Boston, seeing the gravestone of Samuel Adams. I'm talking about the spookiness, the creepiness, that kind of fascination, that eerie fascination with graveyards. In other words, somebody that casts out demons, they'll find out how the demon got there in the first place. They'll find that door because they want that door to be sealed after the demon is cast out. Otherwise, the demon can come right back. And you don't learn how to do all of this in the scripture. There's clues and we're commanded to do it, but the Bible was not meant to be a substitution for our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to talk about the Spirit, let's really talk about it. These are things people learn by experience. Now, as for my own experience, in time through my counseling ministry, and I did quite a bit of counseling when I did local campus ministry, I started encountering people with demons. So I contacted pastor friends I knew who cast out demons who had experience, and I sat in on some of their sessions, and I learned how to cast out demons myself. Now, I don't want to exaggerate that. I don't do that often. It is not my primary ministry. It is not my primary calling. And I would never do that without having a person with me. I would always be part of a group doing it. The only exception would be if I encounter a demon on the spot, I might temporarily bind it. One time I was doing inner healing with a college student. All of a sudden she gasped and she couldn't breathe. And I immediately commanded whatever demon was there to release her and her breathing continued. But I don't consider that having cast the demon out. That was a temporary binding of the demon. And in this case, there was no evidence that the demon was living inside of her anyway. Demons can affect people and interfere with their lives without actually living inside of them. All to say, I have had some limited experience. However, I have been a part of exercise 
exorcisms as well, where the demons were completely cast out. Again, not often and only in a group situation. I will say this, the phrase demon-possessed is actually not found in the New Testament, but the phrase demonized is, and apparently they're talking about the same thing, or same sort of thing. But what does that literally mean? Is a demon literally living inside of somebody's body? Well, the demon is inhabiting the brain somehow, and the brain controls the body. So if the demon controls the brain, the brain controls the body. That seems to be the situation we're talking about. But whether demonized or whether you want to use the word possessed, or some say Christians can be oppressed by demons but not possessed by demons, one thing we must all agree to, we are all part of a spiritual warfare. We can have detailed discussions about the degree but we're all part of a spiritual warfare that's made very clear in the Bible, and it is made clear to all of us for all of us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In scripture, we're told that whenever we're struggling with sin, Satan is close by, not him specifically. He's not omnipresent, but one of his cronies, one of his demons. So a struggle with sin itself is a struggle with Satan. Usually we don't have to concentrate on Satan. I'm not the kind of person that looks for a demon under every pear tree. You deal with the sin, you deal with the demon tempting you to sin by osmosis. But there are times when people discover their willpower to resist sin diminishing. And they realize the demon, or possibly demons, possibly more than one, have such a grip on them that they need a third party. They need an intervention. They need help. And oftentimes, far more often than you would think, those seeking help, those asking for deliverance, are already professing Christians. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? Those that don't believe in the Bible are the ones that aren't calling themselves Christians. They're not usually the ones that are going to go to help. Who's going to go to somebody and say, I think I have a demon living inside of me if he doesn't already believe in the Bible? So, of course, Christians are going to be the ones primarily asking for deliverance. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I would have thought the same thing. Bob, doesn't the Bible tell us that there are many people who call themselves Christians but aren't really saved, aren't truly born again? Yes. In Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it very clear, not everybody who calls himself or herself a Christian is a Christian. So I'm sure that explains a lot of it. I'm sure there are many people who go to church who call themselves Christians, and they're not really born again. However, that still begs the question, could somebody who actually was born again be experiencing a demon? There is no verse in the Bible which says that they can't. Now, there's no verse in the Bible which says that they can either. The Bible's actually silent on the subject. And again, we do have that verse in Corinthians about the Holy Spirit not partnering with evil. So I can understand people thinking that's taught in the Bible. They're certainly seeing something very close to that taught in the Bible. Well, perhaps clarity will come when we discuss what it actually means to be born again. The Bible tells us that we have two natures after we're saved, our old nature and our new nature. When you give your life to Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, a lot of things happened all at one time. A person gives his life to Christ, several things happen. First, his own spirit 
is resurrected. He receives a new spirit. What is the spirit? The spirit is a part of your soul. It's where your conscience is. When Adam and Eve turned from God in the garden, their spirits died. When we give our lives to Jesus, our spirit becomes resurrected. The author of Hebrews talks about the father of our spirits, the father being God, the father. Again, the spirit is a part of the soul. The soul is yourself, where your personality is, where your will is. Through the body, your soul interacts with people. Through the spirit, your soul interacts with God. Now, I understand you can use your body and flap your lips and talk to God audibly, but we're talking in generalities. When somebody becomes born again, their spirit becomes resurrected as a down payment for the fact that someday their body and soul will also be resurrected. God says, I'm going to resurrect your spirit now, and I promise to resurrect your soul and body someday. What day is that? Well, that's the day Jesus returns or the day you die and go to heaven, whichever comes first, because it's outside of time and it's really all on the same day. Born again literally refers to our resurrection in the future body, soul, and spirit. But the apostle Paul said, look, God is removed from time. And from God's point of view, you're already resurrected. You're already in heaven. So he and the other apostles did not mind using the term born again, even in present day life, because they wanted Christians to live as though the resurrection had already taken place. However, in our mortal limited timeline, only part of that resurrection has taken place. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the first thing that happened is you received a new spirit. And then the second thing that happened is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came and took up residence in you. The Holy Spirit and your new spirit together make up your new nature. When your soul and body obey the new nature, they are living as if they are born again. It is the born again part of you. However, the soul and body can ignore the nature. And when we do that, according to Romans chapter 7 and 8, when we ignore the new nature, we live, feel, think, and act just as we did before we became born again. Because, and catch this, my friends, because that part of us, that old nature is not born again. So here's what I meant when I said this idea is partly right and partly wrong. Can a born-again Christian be possessed by a demon? The part of you that is born again, where the Holy Spirit and your new spirit live, that born-again nature, no, that nature cannot be inhabited by a demon. But you have an old nature, an old nature that has not become born again, and demons can run havoc with the old nature. So a person calling himself a Christian can still encounter a demon, but he's encountering it in the old nature. She's encountering it in the old nature. So let's get back to scripture. I mentioned that there's no scripture that conclusively teaches this. There are some interesting scriptures, however, that would raise our eyebrow. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the church. Peter accused them of lying to the Holy Spirit. They were professing Christians. They were in the church. Obviously, the apostles would have baptized them. Apparently, the apostles saw some indication that the Spirit was in their life. These are assumptions, but they're fair assumptions. And yet Peter said, why did Satan put it upon your hearts to lie to the Holy Spirit? So we still see that Satan had some kind of access. Now, 
since Peter wasn't accusing them of being demon-possessed, but merely mentioned that Satan had some kind of access. And since very few, if any, Christians are going to argue that Satan doesn't at least have some kind of access, it's not conclusive. And again, Ananias and Sapphira might be people who joined the church and hadn't really become born again. We don't know, but we at least have an example of professing Christians that are still falling under the influence. And one could argue the same thing just with influence. How can the born-again part of your nature even be influenced by Satan? Obviously, in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, we're seeing an example of something going on in the realm of the old nature. Now, before Jesus resurrected and went back into heaven, the Holy Spirit was still in the world, but people did not yet have him living inside of them as a personal guardian. He still existed, though. He still ministered, and he ministered in the lives of Jesus' disciples. They went out and did miracles. This was before Acts chapter 1 and 2, before the Holy Spirit came. They went out, they did miracles, they cast out demons themselves. And one day, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter just thought he was giving his opinion, but Jesus gave him some exciting, thrilling news. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. It was revealed by my Father in heaven. And obviously the implication is the Father revealed it by using the Holy Spirit, because sometimes our thoughts are not our thoughts. They're coming from the Spirit of God. So Peter thought he was just giving an opinion, and Jesus says, actually, Peter, you just gave a prophecy. Well, Peter then got on a roll. Hey, I didn't realize I was a prophet. I'm a prophet. He goes, well, as a matter of fact, Lord, you keep saying you're going to go into Jerusalem and die. I say you will not go into Jerusalem and die. And Jesus immediately said, get behind me, Satan. Yes, it's true. Sometimes our thoughts come from God, but it's also true. Sometimes our thoughts come from Satan. Look how quickly Peter switched from one to the other. Now again, the Holy Spirit was not living inside of him as a personal guardian. That happened in Peter's life later after Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit certainly was there. And we do see still in this scripture how easily one can be walking with the Spirit and flip over to Satan. So again, there are interesting scriptures. We cannot make a conclusive case by scripture, but by experience. Bottom line, there are people who call themselves Christians, who are having demons cast out of them. Maybe, probably the high majority of them aren't really born again, but there's nothing in the Bible that says a born-again Christian can't have a demon unless we mean the born-again side of our nature. The part of you that's born again? No, a demon cannot live there. But there's still the old nature that's not born again, and a demon can live there. If it does, it needs to be taken care of. Again, we're talking about degrees. You may not agree with everything I said, but what we must agree with the scripture is crystal clear on demons are trying to disrupt our Christian lives all the time. There are all kinds of commands that tell us that in the New Testament. I'll close with just one of them. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And apparently this roaring lion thinks he has a chance devouring Christians, and he's going to make the attempt somehow. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious.